Hello. I'm Amelia. And I am Ben. And this is Season 1, Episode 4 of Haunted Picture Palace. Today bringing you Crimson Peak. Yes. Beware of Crimson Peak. Guillermo del Toro's 2015 gothic chiller. Gothic film. Gothic (laughs) gothic chiller sounds better than gothic film. Do you think I would have gone like... Gothic fairy tale horror. A fairy tale horror. You have That's to good. say it like Matt Berry. <laughs> As a content warning, briefly, just to let you know that this film does contain small pockets of quite brutal violence and some pretty terrifying ghost and jump scares if you have heart problems don't blame us if you're anything like ben you'll probably have nightmares the day after watching it's it's very frightening yes so i guess we start at the beginning <laughs> which would be edith our heroine uh, her voiceover and it she tells us straight off first line of the film where ghosts are real yes and uh, i feel like a lot of uh, there's noteworthy because a lot of supernatural films play with this ambiguity a little bit it's a fairly common trope to have uh, a heroine who believes in ghosts or sees a ghost yep. and the people around her don't believe her and you know we the audience are not sure whether we should believe her and in some ways this isn't a ghost story at all but we'll come to that later on i suppose we open as well on the voiceover about the death of her mother of edith's mother where she was not allowed to see her mother her mother got a nasty disease that meant that i think it disfigured her quite badly so they decided not to let her see the body i'm just going to say now there's some incredibly beautiful cotton (laughs) that the child is wearing that is absolutely 100% wasted on a child for the scene of being haunted by her dead mother and it is very distressing I remember I went to see this film for the first time in the cinema on a particular birthday and the friend I took with me I truly believed was laughing until about halfway through the film when I finally looked to her and realised she had been fully weeping next to me the entire time, unbeknownst to me. Cruelly, I did not spend the night with her as she requested because it was my birthday and I had other people to do. But (laughs) it was was a sad day. Poor sausage. Anyway. But it's quite an unsettling and frightening scene, the ghost of her her mother that um, comes and tells and gives a title drop straight away as well. (laughs) Beware of Crimson Peak. Mm, uh, when the been... time comes, beware of Crimson Peak. So amazing. Also, so rarely does horror allow the dead to touch the living. Ghosts are specifically, I mean, as in ghosts, more yeah. specifically. Yeah, yeah. So rarely does it allow ghosts to touch the living. Either you'll get that moment of, oh, it's gone through. It must be ghost. Yeah, it's a classic um, ghost thing. They reach out and they are... Yeah, you're so cold. Uh, yes, nothing um, there. Exactly. Or you have the kind of longing to touch but never get to but specifically and immediately straight on and i think there's something much worse about that because it's almost like if you're trained by the trope that they can't really touch you therefore they can't harm you this one can use door handles and also just immediately touches her own child so it is (laughs) it is properly freaky and very 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 beautifully rendered the image of her mother yes is stunning well i'll put it at this point as well that this uh, underneath the prosthesis there it's it's Doug Jones love uh, you Doug Jones the wonderful actor who appears in a lot of Del Toro's work 
Yeah. So Shape it, of and water. exactly in these sort of worlds, usually unrecognizable underneath several layers of latex. So as you say, the Shape yeah. of Water. He's I think he's a couple of the monsters in Pan's Labyrinth. Yes, um, the um the one with eyes on his hands and is he Pan? Yes, I think he's Pan yeah. as well. Yeah. And Abe Sapien in oh, Hellboy yeah. as well. But it's quite unusual I think to have a physical actor in 2015 doing yeah. that yes and but that does allow this sort of tactile things where yes they, they the ghosts in crimson peak can touch you because they're really there on the set yeah then we're introduced to this as a book so in the true stylings of a very old sort of black and white trope that was used a lot with ghost stories where you would have the book being opened and the story being told as if these were ghost stories yeah we're shown decorated cloth book of crimson peak being opened before the book begins before the book and before the, film. the film begins yes yes well also it's the storybook thing as well if we the audience are yeah. going to be told a ghost story right? yes yes although yeah. i don't think it is a ghost story really no but there is a lot of talk about writing throughout the film there's a yes. lot of specific i want to be a writer people know a lot about writing there's a lot of chat to various people in writing of course and academia um and she's introduced as our very own jane austen yeah which is just a nice like oh well that's who she is then you know <laughs> she wears glasses well, it's she a character hangs out with men. and yeah. she's feverishly scribbling away yeah in an incredible yellow dress i actually couldn't quite get a sense of what fabric that was there's a lot of velvets later quite deliberately but this one almost looked like a kind of very very thick taffeta really really stunning deep mustardy yellow with incredible shoes and a great hat carry on which really is that color is something that comes out through all of these sort of early new york scenes because we're in sort of turn of the century prosperous new york yes. here, and it is gorgeous glorious i mean the costume design the set design the lighting the cinematography all work together to extremely which, well as well that very own jane austen comment is the rebuttal if you like is i would prefer to be mary shelley she died a widow yeah which again every single line in the first sort of 20 minutes of the film tells you how the film's going to end that's like, true <laughs> yes yes because she's about to have a meeting with mr ogilvy because she's written yes this story a that, ghost uh, story a ghost story indeed although well Yes, it's a ghost story, but she tells Mr. Ogilvy... Mm -hmm. The, the ghost is just a metaphor. Yes. And he says, oh, it's good, but we need some... need a love story. In Everyone it. falls in love, dear, even women. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> <Which is> great. <laughs> just a really nice little, little point. It's a del Toro thing as well, to build a world incredibly quickly, to get you to understand the language of that world incredibly quickly. Yeah. And then mess with that world immediately. But all, again, within the first sort of 10, 15 minutes of the film. Yeah. Where you're like, look, here's the thing. This is the time period. Look how everyone is. Here's all the characters. Now go. <laughs> and what? <laughs> yeah, halfway through. Did you enjoy that New York? We won't go back to New York. We're going to something completely different later on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We just built a New York. But we're also here at the very beginning because so much is set up in the first yes. sort of, you know, 20 minutes or so. We're also at the beginning told that... Uh, I was going to say Mr. Sharp, um, but, but he's not Mr., is he? He's not. He's Sir Thomas he's Sharp. Sir, Sir Thomas Sharp is in town, and some society women are very, very excited yes. uh, to meet him. Edith, not so much. 
No, no. And I, I'm going to put in just here that Thomas Sharp is has a connection to me as a name. And so there is a very strange moment that feels like I'm talking about somebody famous when it's actually just someone from my past. So if I do get a bit weird about it, I am just going to call him Tom throughout this. Of <laughs> Sir course. Tom. Sir Tom, because just saying that name over and over again, I don't really need. No, it's peculiar. It's weird. I went to school with a Neil Armstrong and um, <laughs> yeah, I really, really did. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know why that's tickled me. But he's a very late Victorian salesman. Yes. When he very first, like the first interaction with Edith is super duper Jane Austen. It's super resist, resist from the lady and him being like, in your personal space, looking hot. Yeah. Like, that's, <laughs> that's literally the whole thing. And not knowing who each other are and having a nice moment of realisation in a split second reveal. Again, everything's happening. In yeah, the it's, a, it's a meet cute. It's a proper, proper like, meet cute, yeah. Uh, romantic comedy moment here as well. And nicely done. It's, I don't mean that as a criticism. No. No, 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 no. But it's it really works. And it works, again, because... We already know everyone so quickly. So, sorry, I'll go back to that. He's a very late Victorian salesman and is essentially selling them a bottle of blood. <laughs> like, yes. that's all it looks like. He's just holding blood and being like, blood? <laughs> blood? Really lovely bit of model work. Did you look that up to see if that was CGI or automaton? The the little mining machine? Yeah. I did not. I would be very surprised if it was not real. Just because... Guillermo del Toro loves this stuff. Bloody loves a gadget and a steampunk moment, All yes. the way back to, like, Kronos is full of, I think, possibly his first sort of major film, mm-hmm. is full of clockwork, little automata. Yes. And he's very much into that. And as I'll talk about later, so much of this film was done practically. Yes. So through practical effects. And not that there isn't CGI, there's absolutely loads of it. But they're touch-ups, they're not yeah. pure CGI moments. No, no, I suspect you could watch the entire film. The sort of the rough cut pre-CGI yeah. rendering and it would still make sense, which yep. is not something that's true of it's, many so right. large films like But this. also, I was, I was just thinking about Pan's Labyrinth and thinking, where were the gadgets? But actually, the main baddie is obsessed with clocks, right? Yeah, clockwork and, Exa- it's exactly yeah. that, yeah. And even his shaving mirror looks like a gadget that should also be able to, like, kill five people yeah. so like yeah the soft hands thing is such an odd and beautiful insult so we've met edith's father who's head honcho yeah very much what was the actor's name jim beaver jim beaver there we go okay so jim beaver plays daddy yeah and daddy is an incredibly knowledgeable bastard but he's not cast as a bastard he's just a a good businessman who's worked to get where he is. He's, he's prosperous, hard-working. Yes. I've written down he's a distillation of the American hard-scrabble ethos. So he's worked hard to get where mm. he is. He's very comfortable and he's very capable. Lots but, of green leather everywhere. Yeah, yeah. But you do buy him as his performance as that he's worked hard to get where he is and he is now enjoying the fruits of his labour. Yeah, right? and then the soft hand things. In front of that many men and in front of a woman that he's already got a bit of a spark for supposedly yeah. we, we, we're we meant to believe just feels like a genuinely like weirdly like a slur like it feels like an actual a put down yeah like a proper one well i think it is it is and it fits his character to be contemptuous of inherited yes wealth i mean i realize they haven't got a bean right but um they are the nobility right which is sort of the antithesis of the american dream yes right the, yes the stuff handed down from from generation to generation which is very much the opposite of what is going on here yeah uh, i'm going to talk here about thomas and 
the, the a vampire thing. Mm. I'm going to bring in a vampire motif because I said earlier I don't look upon this as a ghost story. Really, we do the ghosts when we meet them are frightening, but even the first one doesn't threaten. Uh, Edith's mother no. doesn't threaten her at all. Just delivers a, 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 a rather nomic warning, but a warning nonetheless, and yeah. doesn't say I'm going to eat you or anything. Whereas we've been introduced to a gentleman here who is pale. Uh, who is peddling, as you say, this sort of bottle of blood. Bottle yeah. of blood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Edith, when she's first introduced to the idea of mm. Thomas Sharp, describes his sort as a parasite, right? <laughs> you know, the, yeah. uh, the, the nobility as being as parasitical. And they are very old world. Mm-hmm. Like the, the Sharps from the old world in America is the shiny, modern, new world. And what really made me think about it was that Dracula the novel by Bram Stoker, written and published in 1890, I think 1890 odd anyway, mm-hmm. around about then, and is a very modern novel for the time. It's full of gadgetry and yeah. technology and steamships and telegrams and typewriters and phonographs. Yeah. And contrasted against this world, Dracula is the interloper who comes from the past, the past very mm. much, and uh, obviously has got designs upon beautiful young women you know and, yes. and and sort of literally drains them dry and uh, this is something that we'll i'll come back to again yeah, later yeah. on but it is here first when i first peg him as a vampire when you say that as well like i also got big dracula vibes i even wrote like he is vampire in my notes yeah we both got it at the same <laughs> yeah, point exactly because it's no coincidence that Tom Sanders was the production designer on Dracula as well, Bram Stoker's Dracula from the 90s, which yep. was my favourite, of course, because Gary Oldman is king. It is wonderful, um, and, and again, I'm sure we will cover it on this pod. True, but so Tom here is dressed almost exactly as Dracula when he first meets Winona Ryder in person. Sure. All he's missing is like little steampunk glasses, which I'm sure crossed... Across their mind, he does have those um, sort of finicky sunglasses when they're in the park. Ah, he does. Later as well, so he definitely (laughs) brought them with him. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. We got a fancy dancy version of this. Yes, we got the Arrow special edition Blu-ray, which is you know it looks great, but also it does have a a great deal of huge amount of information. And they were talking about the costuming because that's the bit that's really my bag. And I will keep adding to bits like this, but I think it just paints a richer picture and it shows the attention to detail that was gone to here what they were speaking about was the silhouette of a man in a painting by casper david friedrich yes and it's like item for item exactly that so amazing and so many shots of sir thomas just looking like a a shot straight from a painting of the time Mm. but without making it look so obvious that it's like that's a melee, you know, it's not <laughs> yes. fringy. No, it's not no one particular painting, even though we've referenced that one. It's just... It no, looks... it's just the paintings are alive. Yes. You know? Anyway. We'll put it on the uh, on the Instagram afterwards so oh, you can yes. have a look. Although it's a, it's a very famous one. It's on the cover of all like the Penguin Nietzsche and things, uh, which obviously is a reference I assume everybody will get. He mentions in this meeting when he's trying to sell his mining machine that mm-hmm. is contemptuously referred to as a toy he says that the clay mines have been digging up this scarlet clay since 1789 mm-hmm. which is a date that puts it square in the gothic fiction boom of the late 18th century yes and this is uh, the time when Anne Radcliffe is publishing and it's a, it's a few years sort of after the castle of Otranto which is sort of considered to be the first gothic novel like this a couple of years before mm-hmm. the monk 
by Matthew Lewis. But immediately, old Mr. Cushing has his finger on the something about sharp. Yeah, he's having instincts that I don't about him. like. Yes. yes, there's something about him, and I don't like it. But, um, also, here's poor Alan, Doctor Bland. Um, <laughs> he's kind, and let's be real, he's never going to get the girl is what I wrote in my notes and that's not in some kind of horrible misogynistic sense it's just in terms of these films and in terms of these books he's the blonde haired hero American hero character that isn't going to fare well in a book that is like where you want to cheer on the baddies yes that's true yeah you Uh, likened him to Quincy Morris in Dracula who also doesn't get the girl (laughs) Uh. (laughs) yeah So this next bit is an incredibly old ghost trope. And part of the reason I picked this film for Haunted Picture Palace was ghosts and haunting done in such an original way, but still with a twist on a classic, which I think personally is my favourite way to view horror. Things like The Innocents, which we'll talk about later, no doubt, because it's pasted all over this film. Oh yeah, blame me. There's a couple of shots which feel like they're taken from it, which is again, no bad thing. No, it's a really actually excellent update. But the door handle rattle scene oh, yes. is done in just the best way I've seen in absolutely years. Like the first time you see a door rattle scene, I can actually remember the first time I saw it and was like, that's creepy. And that was all I got. But this particular one, as in the first door rattle scene ever. There's a wonderful one in The Haunting, I think, yes. of Robert Wise from about the 63, I yeah. think. That's the oldest one I can think of, but I... I'm yeah. sure it was fairly hoary by then anyway. Oh, know. yeah. I don't mean like since the dawn of time. I mean my no, no. first experience with the door rattle type trope and going, oh, that's sinister. Or I don't really like, that doesn't make me feel great. And then yeah. looking at the door handle, I've sort of <laughs> like, yeah. you. Um, <laughs> to have the door handle pressed down and then the minute she touches it, it moves, which is also flipping horrible. Yeah. Because that's how close you are to this presence. Yeah. And then it just manically goes for some time before she gets to it. Yes. And it's never that normally. Normally, you know, it's like something turning it slowly yes. or like yes. something just kind of vaguely wanting to get in but also to freak you out. But this one is like a desperation to get in the door. Mm. But the door is open. Yeah. It's yeah. And it's jerky. It's somehow weirdly there's something unhuman about it. The speed and the, the it doesn't look or feel like there's somebody on the at the other side manipulating the handle no but i also feel like that's the kind of effect you get when you're like frantically panicking to get through a doorway yeah. oh yeah so all of this builds up the scene that like people have definitely died here bad things have happened bad energies appearing yeah um her response to it is interesting she's a bit perturbed i think i'd be a bit worse than like having my maid help me up well, i know? suppose to i suppose the the argument is that she's already told us ghosts ghosts are real like this is not the fright of somebody who doesn't believe in ghosts it's a frightening yeah. thing but it isn't the sort of earth-shattering mind flaking like wet cake sort of thing when a, a rational person you know has their mind broken by the unexplained the sort Fair of amr james well, elderly also, academic type yes well also she's met her mum and accepted that that was her mum visiting her as a ghost. Yeah, although it is frightening and horrible and really unpleasant. It is, but again, she's super chill with it, considering. <laughs> considering, you know, yeah. Every scene is like a painting I've written, probably mm. about 60 times. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, also, I desperately need your help is so manipulative and beautiful. He says, I yes. desperately need your help. You yeah. know, in that kind of Mr. Darcy style, old school, how can I get a female to like me? I know I'll be a tiny tiny sexy baby yeah he's an old english charmer and he's very good at it as well yes uh he is charming but then yes because he turns up 
she's not going to go to the ambassador's reception or whatever it is. It's not the ambassador's reception. No, Ferrero <laughs> Rocher, not Spawn. She's not going to go, but then he turns up and in the rain and is quite insistent. Yes, I waited in the rain. And I put, again, so vampiric. Like, it's so the Dracula style seducing somebody by manipulating their will. By mm. I would liken it to something like Funny Games, even. Where you're like, give me another egg. Right. You know. <laughs> yeah, just pushing and pushing to yeah. get get a foothold in their brain somehow yeah yeah but yes she she just happens to have a beautiful dress uh <laughs> lying around because of course she does and they, and they turn up to the big ambassador's reception which is like a giant cake you know it's like <laughs> yes. a big rich cake it's it's, it's beautiful <laughs> well you've made me want cake the sister so we meet for the first time lucille lucille who jessica chastain whose entire character is shown in the way that she plays piano i would say so in the way that she's seated in the way that she glances at thomas in fact again once again everything you need to know about every character involved is shown in the first half an hour yeah clearly there's something else going on there from the way that they greet each other but it's she looks like a well i was gonna say she looks like a vampire well yes she she does does. (laughs) they both do she also doesn't look delighted to meet edith (laughs) <laughs> no, she doesn't look delighted by any... She, she very rarely looks delighted by anything, I think yes. it's fair. It's not really her vibe, you know, delighted. She does raise rather an eyebrow at their entrance. Yes, and then Thomas takes off Edith's shawl like he's undressing a virgin at a ritual. Oh. And this is where I would put it back to like folk horror-y stuff as well, because mm. it really feels like, like she's all in white. She doesn't actually yeah. wear white at any other point in the film unless she's like in her sickened state. Yes, so when this all is... of the colour is sort of ble- bleached out of her yeah. book. Much like a vampire would, but we'll come back to that. <laughs> it's the already under his spell thing. Mm. So already being sickened by him, if you like. Well, the other thing is, of course, that at this point, the Sharps, Thomas Sharp's only sort of identifiable crime is having smooth hands... <laughs> and being down on his uppers a little bit. He's wearing yes. very smart clothes, but they're all a little out of They've date. They've all aged, And they're yeah. all old. I think yeah, Del Toro says in, said in some interviews at the time that the idea was that the Sharps are wearing their parents' clothes because I they haven't that. got any yeah. money yeah. To, to, to get any new ones. So they're very good, but they are wearing out a little bit. Yeah. And he, to a point as well, he is undressing her for a ritual. It's yes, oh yes, yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry, finished my point. Was that he hasn't done anything wrong, but the, we very quickly and very early on get the sense that there's something not right about the Sharps. Yes. And that they're not all that they seem. And, you know, sure, like I, this, is a, this is a horror film, so yeah. it, seems, it seems a given, but there's, it's more than that. There's something, about, there's something about them that just doesn't sit right. Not just with Mr Cushing, but with you, the viewer. Yeah. And I will say at this point, like, especially once the dancing starts, this, by a long shot, had this film been out when I was a young person or a teenager, I it would have been my favourite film, 100%. It has literally everything I love. It looks like a kind of Tim Burton's wet dream, if only Tim Burton was still good. Properly, it's a film he wished he'd made when he'd still had creative drive and hadn't just weirdly married Johnny Depp. Yeah. <laughs> you know I do know but I can also see a very young Johnny Depp in that role oh lord in, in the Tom Hiddleston role yes yeah absolutely I thought that the colour palette wasn't right for Tim Burton that it was it was just too rich and lush 
Yes, but then I showed you the pictures from 2010, Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, which I'd completely forgotten that he'd done. Brutally butchered. (laughs) Um, With such potential as well. The opening of it I really enjoyed, and it's really surreal and beautiful and horrible. In a Tim, not an old Tim Burton way, but certainly almost in a Crimson Peaky way. Mm. But then it just descended into Johnny Depp chaos, and it it, it really (laughs) couldn't come back from that level of CGI. That's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. Because I can see a lot of the things in The Shape of Water, the way that looks and the way that's filmed, Mm. are are not given a dry run here, because I don't mean to suggest that Crimson Peak is not a complete thing in itself, but that uh, The Shape of Water obviously won Best Picture and was a a much bigger success. Crimson Peak did all right, but I don't think it was considered a very big success. No, it's not even got much of a... Well, it's got a bit of a cult following, but not a lot, really, considering. uh, Yeah, considering the other high points of, of his career. I wonder if that's because it blends us just a touch too many genres. Yeah. It could be that it hasn't found... It's kind of accidentally diluted itself so that it doesn't appeal fully to the true horror fans. It yeah. doesn't appeal fully to the true Gilmero del Toro fans. It's not quite fairy tale enough. I think it's all of the above. Oh, I think so. And it, But it's it's a full-blooded gothic melodrama yeah. as well, of the type that I say people don't really make anymore. Well, but I mean, of course, <laughs> it's not... He did make this. This is a real thing. And it really was a bit of a passion project for him as well. He, he co-wrote the script, screenplay as well, and uh, he'd had it ready to go in 2006, but wasn't able to sort of raise the capital. Yeah. Or rather wasn't re- able to raise enough capital because it had a budget of $55 million, or there or thereabouts, I think, 50 55 mm. And um, he was adamant that he wanted to spend that much money on it. He wa- didn't want to do it for $20 million, so he had to wait until after he'd done the Hobbit movies, which presumably brought him enough cachet and, yeah. and cash. <laughs> <laughs> that he was able to get a studio to to back it, and also to make it violent enough as well. Cause right. It, uh, it's uh, it's a fifteen in the UK. It's R rated in the states. I mean, quite rightly. <laughs> yeah. It's quite frightening in places. Yeah. But I think a few studios didn't want to go near limiting your audience like that, and also spending that much money on an original story. It's not an adaptation of anything. Mm-hmm. And as I say, it's not really like much else. I can't think of anything since then that's really like this either no then we have a candle lit waltz we do Mr Sharp demonstrates the waltz in the European style because he's from the old world <laughs> you know would you be mine is the classic sort of again very vampiric line that he says to her yeah but he does it. he's got a good line in charm because she says oh I'm sure um, what's her face would be delighted yeah. the other girl and he says well I'm sure she would but I'm, I'm asking you yeah. which is really it's really nice it's really nicely done yeah and sort of reluctantly frightening sister plays the piano and looks like she's just sat in a pool of blood the yeah. train from her dress is you know it's red and it's coming out underneath her and it is deeply sinister yes yes um, Lucille is not pleased that Tom no. seems to have transferred his affections to uh, young Edith but the, the waltz, although it is sort of supposed to be the idea is it's smooth enough that the candle flame doesn't go out in the in the mm-hmm. hands. But the way it's filmed is not smooth. There's a few choppy cuts and the camera swoops around in a sort yeah. of slightly vertiginous way, which, again, is a, to me is another hint that something is off. It's very beautifully filmed, but it's not... It's I think it's very deliberately not filmed very smoothly. As I say, there are a few cuts that are offbeat yes. and the camera comes down from above and swirls around the couple and back up again and yeah it's just another continuing accretion of 
suggestions that all is not well. Yes. So we have latent image tutorial, which is very beautiful, and reference to Arthur Conan Doyle, who was somebody obviously wrote Sherlock Holmes books. Yes. Um, but features quite prominently in Edinburgh, where we are. He was a, a local man. Well, he studied here, I believe. Yes. And devoted a lot of his life to the study of whether or not there was either life after death or more specifically whether or not we could pass back through. Yes, um, he, he was, was a spiritualist. A spiritualist and has in his name the Arthur Conan Doyle Centre, which is a lovely space. Again in this fair city. Yes, in Edinburgh, a lovely space where lots of different spiritualist practitioners and I think a small church has gathered yep. there and have all sorts of meetings to continue that line, really. Yes, so he's talking to her about latent Sorry, late an image tutorial. Yes. So this is about, just to fill you in, actually, if you've not... (laughs) (laughs) This is about the images that are left behind after we die, supposedly. So he's showing her some slides of glass plate photography and some ghostly images behind them. And they discuss the belief in ghosts a little bit. But she comes to the conclusion that perhaps we only notice things when we are supposed to see them. Yeah. And again she's warned off she you know even dr allen's like yeah maybe you should see some stuff although he would say that wouldn't he yeah of course you know yeah, uh, yeah. he's been majorly outplayed by this interloper who's just arrived in town so she's not going to hear it from him but a couple of things to say about that yeah for me i suppose first is that spirit photography was the the in thing at this period in time it was very now it was very popular and it's that collision of new technology mm-hmm. which is all around them in in new york with the primeval things and he also advances something akin to like stone tape theory the idea that yeah. ghosts are traumatic experiences held in the fabric of a building or a, a space mm-hmm. he really he mentions buildings specifically or caves or whatever which is a thing that is explored in the early 70s tv play the stone tape which we might also mention, and is attributed to T.C. Lethbridge in a 1962 book about this, but it was an idea that was around at the time. A couple of uh, members of the Psychical Research Organization did advance similar ideas at the time, so he's in the mainstream of paranormal thought at the time. Say we're about 1900, I think, from the date in Old Man Cushing's checkbook, I think is 1901. So he's bang on trend. Nice. We're taken to the park to basically be in a living Millet painting. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's silhouettes are incredibly beautiful. It's described in the extended features as uh, a dreamlike view of Victorian times. So it's not quite a perfect image, but it's yeah. a fantasy image of it. Yeah. I described it as all of the stuff in this film looks how it would look if you were imagining it and you'd never been there. Or you'd yes, never, you weren't present, you'd never seen it. So you were just reading it in a book and your imagination was producing these images. You'd be hard-pressed not to come up with something exactly like that. And we have Queen of the Goths talking about the yellow and black butterflies uh, versus the black moths. The black moths are all they have at Allerdale Hall, which is the Sharps family home. Ancestral pile. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they always eat the butterflies. You know, they, they consume everything. They're awful. And it's a strange warning to the yellow and black wearing. <laughs> yes, the symbolism here is, is piled on a little bit thick. I mean, deliciously thick. It's like having, oh, I've got too much cream on this cake. <laughs> Lucille is dressed in a sort of tight-fitting black number. And yeah. uh, much like a moth. Edith is dressed in these bright 
yellow yep. silk flowing dress here. Thomas Sharp takes the ring from Lucille's finger a little bit later in the same scene mm-hmm. to say, I'm probably just going to have to pop the question to this crazy yellow and black thing. And even the ring looks like it's a little blob of blood. Yes. You know, it's a it's a delicious, very fake garnet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it properly looks like Victorian dress jewellery. I imagine it's supposed to be a, a proper stone because again they came from wealth back in the day yeah and, and saying, she says it's the only thing we have left to sell yeah and he says well we're buying something yes we're buying something of great worth yes and then yes yeah, so father yeah. has consulted with ben gorman the detective with a wonderful face because he thinks something's not quite right mr holly yes yeah, she did write fabulous face <laughs> mm. gives great face american accent in this but works it beautifully seems like something out of mad men but it still works yeah and basically the news isn't good we we don't get to see the piece of paper that is passed between them which is quite a nice touch yeah we still don't know why he's being chastised in this way but mr cushing calls the sharps in and reprimands them and offers them a sum of money to leave his daughter the f*** alone yeah (laughs) and get out of town and get out of town Mr. Cushing says you have to break her heart, Moulin Rouge style. Oh yes, her, two, her two conditions. Her. You have to get the hell out of town Yeah. and thoroughly, thoroughly break her heart. Yes, and so in true Thomas Sharp style, he hits her where it hurts. Right in the manuscript. <laughs> yes, rips it apart in a way that would be her absolute nightmare to the point of where she smacks him and that's that. And then she spends a very 19-year-old style night just fully clothed staring mm. at a pillow <laughs> yeah you know yeah well she's had it's a terrible time because she's also of course announced that the sharps are leaving and he says there's nothing to keep me here uh, which is yeah is designed as as such as is to be horrible it hurts okay um, but then he sends overnight the manuscript back and a letter yes. explaining what has happened that he had to, they had to do that and here, in his scene here, Mr. Cushing, where he confronts the siblings, he feels so in control here. He's so confident and collected and um, He knows. He's seen charge. this stuff before. Yeah, he's, he's not his first radio. And he's also kind of furious that it's affected his daughter, like he likes her. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, that their relationship very is, is very close. Yeah, and of course, in doing so, he seals his fate quite clearly. And I, I remember watching this for the first time. Even though we hadn't seen the Sharps do anything really no. bad, I just had this feeling that he was signing his death warrant here yeah. by being quite so masterful as he really is. Yeah. Uh, this film made me fear Victorian bathrooms even more than I did, <laughs> if that's possible. Oh, it's a beautiful sequence. I mean, there isn't a sequence in this film that isn't beautiful. It's extremely no. visually arresting. But even with those caveats, <laughs> this bathroom scene is extraordinary and it's the lighting and the the steam and the colour and the tiles it's yeah. so rich everything's wet yes which I have a problem with but you know <laughs> it's still wonderful but again this is a very modern story he has a phonograph to play in My Wild Irish Rose while he shaves yes and staff as well yes quite a few members um, dithering about that happen to not be there when he is I'm not going to lie horrendously smacked to death into the with his head smashed on the sink on yeah. the side of the sink just repeatedly brutal. by somebody he recognizes as well i think it's quite clear that yes. his his face betrays recognition of his assailant yeah just before it, it will never be expressive again it is a del toro thing as well that 
I remember the Pan's Labyrinth one is one of the only times I've ever gasped out loud on my own watching a film mm. is the death of the rabbit hunters. Yes, the poacher who gets his head stoved in with a bottle. Yeah, it was actually, to, it was like I could feel it was doing damage to me watching it, mm. which I've never really had. And given that the rest of the film is comparatively pretty soft. Well, this is what I mean by saying this. there's not a lot of violence mm. in this film, right? There's, there really isn't. But the violence that there is, is intense yeah. and visceral. And unpleasant. I mean, extremely well done, but purposefully stomach-turning. But it's also the same thing that they were using in Rosemary's Baby, Mm. episode one (laughs) of the podcast, in Rosemary's Baby, where they made everything as kitsch as humanly possible so that the nasty stuff would be a thousand times more nasty. And I think it really works here with that amount of beauty around and then the ugly, horrible stuff. Every bit of paper in this film sounds delicious, and that's the death by sink thing mm. is made quadruply worse by sound. But the sound engineering in this film is next level. Yeah. Everything's so crunchy, so crispy, so like attention to detail. And I do think it's what you get when there's no TV <laughs> or internet around. You know, it's that kind of level of quiet everywhere. And yeah. even though there's soft strings sort of happening, yeah, it's still the crunches are louder mm, it makes the world seem more opulent as well yeah the body identification scene is truly awful they wouldn't let her look at her mother's body and now she's faced with her father and she's older and he's more disfigured than her mother would have yes. been from a disease yeah so it is just all the things that she would have feared like looming in front of her mm. i am truly amazed they didn't bring the father back as a ghost at any point but i feel like they almost didn't need to because one, she'll be haunted by the image forever. Yes. And two, he does his bit to warn her off. But he's he's turning 60 next week. The scene there, because cause Alan, Dr. Allen turns up and uh, immediately spots something a little bit iffy about this. Well, he tries to wound. save he her tries from to, looking at exactly, it. Exactly. There's no getting away from it. But, they, but he starts to manhandle Oof. the body because, yeah, he immediately spots that something's not right and about it. And he's a this. doctor. And he's a doctor, so he would be well-placed to know. And, and her crying out and telling them to stop yeah is what you were talking about there so. she's incredibly caring of him she says he's turning 60 next week uh, he's afraid to look his age you know you yeah. see that's why he dresses so well and all these character details you pointed it out where it's just like filling in all the gaps about him without him having to be there it tells us so much about her as well because yes. one of the things that i wondered given that she's clearly extremely eligible you know she's clearly going to inherit a pile of cash yeah but also she's beautiful, she's smart, she's intelligent, she's witty. And she also lives in turn-of-the-century New York, you know, in high society, which is a, seems to be a milieu in which these qualities would be appreciated. Yeah. So you think, why is she not married already? I don't know how old she's supposed to be. I can't remember if it's ever oh, yeah. uh, mentioned. But certainly you'd think that Dr. Allen wouldn't be the only person sort of exactly. chapping on her door with a ring. But here... it. It's just it's all made clear is that you know she's devoted to her father since her mother died. There's just been the two of them. Yeah, she feels that his hands cold and puts it back under the blanket. Puts it back under the blanket, which is such a beautiful yeah. little tender moment. But then sinister Tom's here saying, "I'm here for you now." Yes. Okay. Okay. Because it couldn't leave. You know that um, it felt that there was a bond yeah. linking their hearts together, which is a lift from Jane Eyre. Ah, uh-huh, uh, really? Yes. Okay. Pouty Doctor X. <laughs> at the funeral but she looks like a child like they take all of her makeup off yeah. her and they make they put place her quite far down sir tom's body yes to be holding him and she just looks like a little girl it's very sad and, and p.s she's wearing the wedding ring and i think that's what yes dr x is uh looking furious at 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, because, yeah, because of course he's wanted to. He, he had a couple of times where he's trying to propose to her. But Tom never got a chance because Mr. Cushing pulled him into the office yes. and said, "That's enough of that." Enough. I see your exactly. game, mate. Yes, yeah. smashy, smashy. Allerdale Hall, we're here with mm. all that red clay. Allerdale Hall, do you want to talk about that? Allerdale Hall is the ancestral pile of the Sharps, and unusually was well, I was going to say all real I mean it's all a set <laughs> but is was built as a set yes um several floors up all of the rooms are where you would expect them to be in the building they built the building they built the they built the whole thing which is not how you do it it's never <laughs> never been how you did it. It's it, true. it but it does allow these extraordinary beautiful panning shots yes of you know of the central hall with the hole in the in the ceiling and the red clay seeping up from from down below yeah it really does become a character the um yeah once we leave the new world once we get back to cumbria the world of the film does close in and a lot of the work from here on in is carried by the three yes. leads yes definitely and but you can almost add a fourth to this because of the work that the the house is doing yeah extraordinary work you know it it really is beautiful it all made for this as well i don't think there was anything that was bought in off no. the peg or anything it was all manufactured and uh took a large chunk of the budget i think they spent several million on that set uh and it shows you know i yeah. mean it, it really works yeah. and again um from the clothing angle from the fashion angle as you mentioned uh off mic when they are in the city Lots of things are machine sewn or machine made, and oh, yes. when they move to Allerdale Hall, everything becomes hand stitched, yeah. hand sewn, um, hand embroidered, because they are the oldie worldy people, right? Mm. And um, also, a lot of the outfits of Lucille specifically, the architecture has lots of ornate carvings in it. It's incredibly gothic, and they have actually precisely mirrored the carvings from the house onto her dresses and things. So she is just a part of the place. She haunts it. Oh, definitely. She's, they've got oak leaves made of cotton. It's really outstanding. Like, the more you look, the more incredible it is. And talking of outfits, you know, arriving at Allerdale Hall, you don't know what you're going to see. You're moving to the countryside, so you basically look like a WI bouquet <laughs> when yes. you arrive, which is what Edith chooses to do. And actually, in again, in the extended features, they were talking about how the more in love Edith is, the more she blooms. So mm. the more her outfits are covered in flowers and the more everything gets slightly bigger. And, and like a butterfly. She's like a butterfly yes. and Lucille is like a moth. Yes. Um, um, yeah, my notes on the house when we first see it is it's ancient, decaying, sinking, bleeding and definitely haunted. Yes. Like definitely. <laughs> it does bleed through the floor, but don't worry about that because yeah. Tom Hiddleston just said, would you like to count the rooms? And I'm sorry, <laughs> I would push past a few ghosts to have that happen as a chat-up line. No, it's an extraordinary Dead building. Dead flies and bees everywhere. Yeah. And then ghosts as well. It's yes, good. what she sees, <laughs> thinks she sees a, a woman or something yes. when she gets there. Horrible. Mm -hmm. It's another film with a creepy lift. I think we just have a thing about films <laughs> with a creepy lift. Rosemary's Baby. Yep. The Craft. Is there a creepy lift in The Craft? Probably. No. No. <laughs> What was the other one? <laughs> Pender's Fen. Oh, okay, no, creepy no, lift okay. So only Rosemary's Baby had a creepy lift. I thought, oh well. No, oh well. <laughs> I suppose that this is fifty percent now with this, <laughs> this and Rosemary's Baby, which is a very high percentage of films with creepy lifts. And when, even when we do The Shining, it'll go. You know, it will be keeping the yeah. creepy lift representation yeah. high. 
she also <laughs> she also gains a dog, but we'll talk about that later if you can call that a dog. If you can call that a dog. It's very cute, but it's very much like a little bark with a hat made of hair. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's lovely. I would definitely have one. Someone please give me a dog. If okay, so here's some just some slight rules I wanted to run past Edith. If you're not allowed keys, run. <laughs> yeah. If your taps run blood first, run. <laughs> like, those are two main reasons to run. Yes. Even in all of your finery, the clearly evil sister of your husband, yeah. who won't let you have copies to the keys because you don't, you don't need, need them. them. <laughs> she's also, do you know who she reminds me of as well, even though she's way hotter? The... Oh god, yeah, if she told me I didn't need keys, I would just say, okay. Yeah, you'd be like, okay, <laughs> yeah. Can we count the rooms together? She'd be like, no, and you'd be like, cool. Cool. Um, <laughs> no, she reminds me of a hot, young version of the terrifying kind of nanny character in Rebecca. Oh, D- uh, Mrs. Danvers? Yes, yes, Mrs. Danvers, who's yeah. like, like the old one, you know, <laughs> just creeping about the rooms. I do yes. think we should cover that film. Oh, definitely, yes, let's. Anyway... <sighs> but I, yeah, I said her bath spewing red because they say you must, you know, he does say it'll be careful. It it's because of the pipes, exactly. But it is comical, almost comical, with it the way that definitely. it sort of clunk, clunk, creaks and clunks into life, and then spits out this blood red yeah. liquid in the most know. beautiful bathroom in the world that's yeah. definitely haunted, as you say. Yeah. And then we have the first kind of, or well, one of the many <laughs> troubling moments where. Things are clearly wrong, and they're more blatantly wrong with the sharps. Is this the as dog? As soon as we enter into their house. Yeah. Yes. I thought you said the dog was dead, right? Yeah. Is Lucille's line, and she pinches his chin, and it's so eerie, you know, to get his full attention. The touch is wrong. Like, there's some stuff happening that's not fine. Yes. And he just sort of said, you know, I left it to die. I left it outside to die. Yeah, and it's very matter of fact as well. Yeah. You know, they're discussing this. They're sort of fairly hushed. I don't want to be overheard. But there's no one there apart from the interloping camera. Yeah. And and so we're seeing them alone for really like the first time, I think. I can't mm. think of another time in the film where we see them alone and unobserved by others, excepting ourselves. You know, yeah, that's true. They're that's always true. in public when we see yeah. them before. Yeah, yeah. Do you know when you don't want to see a ghost? Well, ever. Oh. (laughs) Well, I mean, I've said that, actually. But, of course, in Guillermo del Toro world, the supernatural, if you'd like, is never sort of directly out to get you. It can cause you harm Mm. sometimes. But ghosts are frightening, but they're not threatening. Mm -hmm. So perhaps you do want to see ghosts if you live in in this world. I don't want to see ghosts if I'm naked in the bath. That's fair. At all. Like, I don't want to feel like I can't stomp on the ghost. I couldn't stomp on the ghost anyway, but I want to be wearing big boots <laughs> and maybe have a weapon, not just <laughs> listening to the most frightening noises again because the soundscaping so incredible. Yeah. The noises are just awful. We we don't want that stuff. And then you're playing, like, dog catch with a ghost. Oh, yes. Where the yeah. ball gets rolled back, which is a real Spanish trope, by the way, of Spanish ghost stuff. Ah. To have a game of catch with a ghost or a ball thrown back. I feel like there must be a few bits of lore that maybe we don't know about. Right, that, that would make sense. tie in with that quite nicely. A similar thing appears in the film One Missed Call, um, right. but it's a big gobstopper suite rather than, yeah. a, um, than an actual ball. Um, isn't, isn't there a bit in The Shining? There is, yes. With that as well. Play with us. 
Kubrick, much like Del Toro, is very cine literate, so we'll have definitely have yeah. picked that up from somewhere else. Yes, true. How does she look so perfect in a nightgown? So, hmm. this is the first time we're given firethorn berry tea, which I did look up. It is pyracantha, a real berry this time, not like... Um, not like tannis root. Not like tannis root, and not like manon. It's not poison, but it is bitter, and it's a common thing with the idea of um, hiding the strong tastes of poison in a bitter tasting tea yeah. um my point of reference for that sadly is nightmare before christmas <laughs> with sally hiding the smell of wormswood with the smell of frog's breath but it is just there are more references than that <laughs> yeah no, it's, a, it's i mean i'm sure it's a real thing that real murderers have done yeah in real life or they're lying to her and it's not that they just found that poison is quite a bitter thing yes <laughs> and they're like ah oh, don't worry about it it's just fire thorn yeah though. but he also says you know things have to be bitter to survive here basically oh, like, nothing yeah. grows here that isn't a little bit astringent yes which yeah again should be a warning to you <laughs> edith Kids were confined to the nursery in the attic. <laughs> Creepy. <Yep. laughs> also, the way she says mother actually sounds like she's, I don't know, like she's murdering her again. Oh, is this with the portrait of her yeah. looking at? I like, to, I like to think that she looks down and sees everything we do. But also your mother is a, a real Victorian nightmare, isn't she? Yeah. Like, like proper, like, again, and this is a very full-blooded film and a very f- sort of almost fruity film. And, and in a less well-developed world something yeah. like mother's portrait would be comical it would seem over the top it would seem out of yeah. whereas here it is over the top but it isn't too over the top no it works it works it's all sold very well it's all done with commitment yeah. and then lucille you know this is edith reaching out to lucille and saying i hope we can fill this house with like warmth and laughter and love and she's like well let's start with warmth. warm would be good yeah you know? <laughs> because i flipping hate you yeah and uh, lucille shows or tries to shock edith with a four-edge illustration moment, uh, four-edge illustration being the hidden pictures when you um, slightly press on the edge of the leaves of a book. Yes. As you said, highly collectible item. Oh, yes. Another real, real thing. Yeah. As well. the, 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 exactly the sort of thing that would turn up in a library like this one. Yes, um, exactly. And it is, is nice. hidden sexuality that she's shown. So, again, we're, we're getting all these little hints ding, and ding, tips. Ding, 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 <laughs> ding. like, look, here's a brother doing something horrible to his sister. You know, like, there's there's stuff going on. Edith is dressed exactly like the yellow and black butterfly, of course. Yes, of course she is. Almost identical. She goes to investigate this terrifying nursery. If there are paintings of evil children being evil in the nursery, run. (laughs) Like, these rules are very simple. Ghost crying slash dust ghost in the wheelchair. Just run. Yeah. Just run. You can go. No one will judge you. Yeah. Oh, of course. I mean, you can't. It is much is made several points at this, how remote they are. Yes. How far away they are from the village. And the weather is getting bad, you know. The, well, I suppose it starts to snow later on, but it's still There's a storm. inhospitable. They're all talking about storm storm yeah. coming. Yeah. yeah. So much of the Sharps' lives are defined by their parents yes. and their ancestors, and yes. they need to keep this ancestral pile going. Mm-hmm. But also, so much of their characters go back to their childhood, and Edith, actually, as well, I suppose. Oh, yeah. Um, all of our main characters are shaped by their childhoods. Mm-hmm. And because of that, Thomas makes creepy toys, obviously. Yes. Of course he does. Trapped in your youth. He has this really tender, really beautiful, really frightening moment that I feel like I've had with this looking at someone and saying, you're so different. And it's so... Mm. It almost shouldn't have come out of his mouth. It just... It it could mean so many different things. Yeah. It leads to a hot make-out session. 
It does. That is rudely blocked by... And obviously surrounded by creepy dolls, but that won't hold them back. It's going to be like the aggressive... No, and also it's the, the creepy dolls are an expression of his creativity <laughs> and childhood. And these are things that chime with Edith and that Edith yeah, like yeah, about Yeah, yeah, she's him. in his special She's place. in that, yeah. exactly. But yeah, if you're making out surrounded by creepy dolls, run. Anyway, uh, Lucille massively blocks everything by passive aggressively or just aggressively slamming a tray down saying yes. like thought you might want to eat something put something in your mouth that's not each other's tongues that's basically right that beautiful um, um cran derby old imari tea set yes if you're playing along at home and want one of your own it's a <laughs> cran derby but just around about this time as well we just very briefly cut back to dr allen oh yeah dr. Dr. Milksop, which is our first indication that we haven't entirely left the new world behind true that Dr. Allen is still not satisfied with the manner of, of Mr. Cushing's death yes. and thinks there's something a little bit off. It's just our first indication here that, that we'll come back to that, yeah. that we haven't entirely left that behind because the the colour palettes are so very different. It's jarring to cut back to New York and then back to Allerdale Hall yes. because of the, the sort of golden amber hue of New York, the New yeah. York scenes, and then the colder, paler, darker colours of yeah. Allerdale Hall. Lovely. So no. she's wandering about with candles and this is a scene that I fully believe is kind of pulled almost directly from yeah. The Innocence. How it's was that same... lit back in the year of The Innocence? Year of the in, Innocence uh, 1961? In, in The Innocence they used a candle with multiple wicks to make it burn much brighter so that it would pick S- up on film. Yes, so that it could light her and yes. her face. Um, and here it's managed very beautifully. Maybe it was the same technique. Um, yeah, although because it's all done, it's all filmed digitally, so um, yeah, you don't, true. you don't, have you, don't to do that. you don't have the limitation of the film speed, which is what why they did it in the first place. True, but um, she's wandering around and she's like, "Oh, you silly dog! You've got stuck in the cupboard. Absolutely no reason for the dog to be stuck in the cupboard. No, it's a ghosty ghost hanging out in the cupboard, being frightening, shutting the door and stuff." Yes, but again, it leads her to open that cupboard. It does. And find lots of wax cylinder recordings. Yes. From a phonograph, we know what they... You know, because Mr Cushing had one, we, the audience, are familiar with them, even if we weren't familiar with them before. And yep. she is, of course, she knows exactly what they are. I think this is the worm ghost, too, crawling along the floor uh, towards her. That yes. is properly traumatic. No, it's, traumatic. it's really horrible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but because of this, she goes down, not up, which makes me... In the lift. Yes. Which makes me think of Beauty and the Beast. You know, no one goes in the West Wing. <laughs> um, because she was specifically told, never Don't go, down. go below this level. Yeah. You Never know, that very soon after being told parts of this house are not safe, you don't need keys. Yeah. But it also recalls Bluebeard for me as well. Yes, you for know, sure. The, the old fairy tale. Yeah, it says, I'm going away. The whole castle's yours, but don't go in the big this old locked mega room. mega mystery, brilliant room that yeah. you absolutely shouldn't go in. Yeah. Don't go in there. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, she's like a canary in a coal mine as well. She is like a canary in a coal mine, where all that yellow being very stark against everything. Mm. And she finds these vats, and she finds a case belonging to Enola, yeah. with Enola written on it, and um, I think it's E S or yeah. Yes, on the um, on the lock. Yes, and just goes, well, that's weird, and goes back up. Yeah, well, it's, she tries to open it, but <laughs> she it does, is locked. She does, but then carries on. And yes, the vats have got the clay in because we're now subterranean under the house. Yes, and um, we're in the in the blood red bowels of the earth. Exactly. Um, she comes up to Thomas Sharp while he's doing his best work with the blooming ridiculous invention that he's trying to make work that yeah. digs 
clay out of the ancient ground it's all very steampunky again it's all very i think it operates by coal they need a lot of coal to make yes. it work yes yeah, steam steam powered it is and uh she is wearing just the most incredible flowers on her collar and i believe they are velvet but sewn re- in a really interesting way so it's these kind of um yellow burr things really nice they are a type of daisy actually oh they're these tiny little yellow flowers i recognize them to be uh, craspedia or craspedia or they're also known as billy balls billy which, balls billy balls which are like these very 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 teeny tiny yellow flowers um that make up one larger ball they're used a lot in for viewers at home <laughs> listeners at home we will put this on the Instagram yes. after the episode. Uh, I've seen them a lot in wedding bouquets because they are a wonderful pop of colour, but they look so amazing on her dress. Apparently they're also known as golf beauty, which made me laugh because <laughs> little golf balls. Anyway, she comes up and says, hey, I've really got to talk to you about these blooming dead lady suitcases that I think I've found. And it, the nervousness, I think he hurts himself on purpose. I truly do. No, oh, I think he hurts himself to get out of the conversation. But still, he's desperately sort of half concentrating on her, half concentrating on a machine, and obviously inevitably hurts himself. And anyway, his passion for his machinery does seem to be real. That is real. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure what drives him in that. Mm. To, to do what they've done for the money to do the machine. Yeah. I don't feel like that's communicated effectively enough. It would be my one thing about the film that I was like, oh, that's a bit weird yeah yeah the mining operation yeah does seem to be a sort of sort of weirdly secondary it seems to be too important slightly to be yeah it's slightly out of place but uh but yeah because she asks has anybody died in here yeah um which ties back to the stone tape idea the latent image idea that places are haunted by things and he points out very plausibly i must say that in a building of this age a great many souls have met their end under yeah. these roofs. But and of course, that's not what you mean. But then, as you say, he does burn himself very conveniently. He does. And then she sort of bandages his hand for him and he has this moment of genuine... Now, I think he is a very weak character. So you've said genuine. That's interesting because that's one of the things I wanted to ask. Yes, I believe it's very genuine. Why did I bring you here? Who did you marry? Is wonderful. The self-effacing... I'm a failure. I actually think it's very real. Yeah. I think that's how he feels for not being able to escape the clutches of his sister. I think that's how he feels for not being able to leave the house properly. Mm-hmm. And he's been, as far as she's concerned, he's been turned down by businesses in Milan and Edinburgh, and all London. of these other places in London, and even got spurned by America. I just think, actually, it is a moment of true weakness that he is accidentally sharing with her because he's hurt himself. Mm. And it's very tender and very sweet. Uh, I think they share a kiss that's very beautiful. Yeah, and one of the things he says is that his hands are getting rough. Her father would be proud of him. Yes, exactly. And he doesn't have a good father figure. No. You know. And also, he's spoilers. But he, although it wasn't him who did the deed, he is responsible for the death. You know, the Sharps yeah. are directly responsible for the death of her father yep. this man that he's just been talking about and then title of the film <laughs> <laughs> title of the film and what she's been warned about for years and years and years oh, that yes. sinking feeling where we're like oh well, yeah we obviously call this place crimson peak didn't think to <laughs> tell you before we've never called it that before but <laughs> it's but, because yeah. when it snows here the clay comes through the land and the clay is red yeah so it comes through the snow as blood crimson blood crimson blood no one's heard from Edith and Alan's getting curious. Yeah, we're back in New York again for a brief period of time. 
um, terrifying dream sequence and now she's coughing up blood. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, so we just very briefly go back to Dr. Bland saying, hello, Mr. Holly. I'm concerned. And he finds out that Tom Sharp was already married. It's pointed right. out to him yes. that Tom Sharp's already married and we have a worried face and then it cracks straight on to... Edith having a bloody horrible nightmare that I think is not her mum's ghost. I thought it might be, but it's not. It's one of the red ladies. Oh, yes. This will be the Sharp's, Sharp's mother. mother. Yeah. Yes. Um, pointing we find out later. pointing yeah. like the ghost of Christmas future <laughs> in a very frightening, silent way with just too many strange noises happening. Anyway. I'm going to talk about that ghost a little bit. Oh. Because it is that one that Guillermo del Toro, anyway, claims was inspired by... A thing that happened to him, a ghostly experience that happened to him while he was scouting locations for The Hobbit in New Zealand. This was in an interview he gave to Sight and Sound magazine around about the time the film came out. He said he was in a haunted hotel in, in New Zealand and he heard the sounds of a brutal murder coming from the bathroom. Mm. Because initially we hear the sound of that cleaver yeah. sort of winging through the air and into somebody's skull we hear somebody scream and somebody sob I think you and do he, yeah and he said that was his experience his ghost experience that he, he that happened to him or he heard that in a haunted place Terrifying. and so that's why it went in mm. really frightening <laughs> yeah no it is it's unpleasant it's, horrible. it's really horrible it's Doug Jones again under there yes. as it is most of them in um, in a full latex bodysuit when she wakes up doing the classic TV style coughing up blood she does touch it and actually she ends up putting bloody fingerprints on Tom's pillow Yeah, that's really interesting just as a little side note because everything else has been quite pure up to that point in that room she starts to try and communicate with the ghosts and this is where she's not really fearing them, she's yes. now understanding that they're trying to guide her into something but if you start communicating with ghosts and they kind of pull you to the floor just run again more advice for edith the sound work is so so good and yes you're right this is where we get the head injury the head injury sort of noises and the the horror of all of that is is carried on into this scene with the bath ghost yes it's so graphic as a clayed corpse it's so clearly a preserved body it's awful anyway his blood will be on your hands is what is said by that particular ghost and we'll see what they mean by that later (laughs) so edith is clearly distressed she is sat in a smaller chair here yes so there are a couple of little visual tricks here she's in Mm. a bigger chair she's in a bigger chair she appears to be smaller they're very cleverly made a few of the props in multiple sizes yes so that when edith becomes more sickly and less assured as she is starting, this is starting to happen to her now. They put her in larger furniture. They put her in a larger bed and a larger chair yeah. that is patterned the same. You know, that, which of course has the effect of making her look smaller. It's quite subtle, yeah. and you could easily not notice it. I think, not consciously notice it. Your brain will notice it, yeah. but you know, your conscious thoughts won't pick it up. Uh, it's just, it's just, it's just a really nice bit of design. It is really it good is. bit of work. Look where they get to holiday, I've written in big letters. So being very distressed, Edith is begging basically to get out of there. 
And Sir Thomas agrees to take her to the depot. He has some parts to pick up. He's yep. got some deliveries of parts for his ma- magical machine. Because the implication is, of course, that he's using her money. And now that they are married and, yes. she is, and she's inherited her father's wealth, he can afford to build his big mining machine. Yes. So he's having bits made. And they go to the depot. The big storm sets in. And it's suggested that they could stay at the depot and obviously she's like why not please can we do this yeah and he actually he does agree to it he's begrudging but he does agree to it and i think he realizes that this is a way to not spook her but then he clearly wants to tell her everything like every two minutes he's almost (laughs) confessing yeah um and i think it's because and i truly believe that that moment of kissing after she helps him with his injury is when he's like, oh, bums, I'm actually in love here. I'm falling right. in love. So this, the, that's why I think the sex scene is incredibly beautiful in that cabin. It's very beautifully done. It's weirdly believable. He's smiling throughout it in a kind of like actual enjoyment way that is also a little bit relief. And again, we'll talk about that later. Yes. But then she gets on top, super rare yeah. in films of this nature. And also she is clearly a virgin pre uh, their relationship. Yes. Yes. Um, but then in some important ways so is he but we'll come back to that yeah exactly um, um, but that's why it's so beautiful that's yeah. why I think it's lovely. and also it's... we see more of Tom Hiddleston than we do of Mia Wasikowska we do which more is, rare things again it's not a criticism it's just it, it is worthy of note I, I wish it wasn't no you know, exactly. I'm not. I'm not sort of trying to be sexist here it's just that it is very rare that they don't just do the classic taps off yeah girl rolling around doing a big sigh yeah. Uh, with man with like the <laughs> with the blanket just covering to the small of the back. That's right. And yes. it's like, no, we're gonna have like a proper actual sex scene. Yeah, with his buns out. With his buns out. But then when she gets on top, she does that lovely adjust that's really believable. But then hey, guess what? What? Lucille. Just run. <laughs> All she gets is run. She is so, so frightening. That kind of doesn't take it well, does she, that they spent no. the night. So uh... they come home obviously glowing obviously and lucille is just making the most aggressive eggs you've ever seen in your life (laughs) um she's just eggs everywhere and then palm them back into the pan when she's aggressively thrown it everywhere we think she's Mm going to beat edith to death with the pan oh yeah i wouldn't put it past her at this point but yeah the fact that edith says like why shouldn't we you know we are we are married just does just underline the sort of postcoital nature of their appearance yeah, we are married is um, an oblique but very definite reference to, you know, we are married, and we definitely had sex. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then it's met with like, I can't be alone. I was so frightened. Yes, yeah. uh, blood clay dripping down the walls while yeah. this is happening. Absolutely terrifying. Run, run away. She goes to sign the documents. They are in front of her. The documents to sign the money over, and she goes to sign them in her father's pen. But then, <laughs> Enola, the key, the key. And while Lucille is stomping around making the breakfast, yep. that we and Edith, but the camera's eye as well, mm-hmm. catches the Enola key. One of the keys on the yes. set of keys um, says Enola on it, which of course connects to the mysterious steamer trunk in the basement yep. with a woman's name on it. So our heroine, Edith, decides to steal the key. Yes, and I really love this scene. So she steals the key. She goes for a wander to find Enola's box. Yeah. Lol. Um, there's blood seeping into the snow. 
uh, as the machine works it yes. just sort of does all this stuff like this is the first time we really see the footprints come through yeah as red and it turns out Enola has a record player. <laughs> yes, thankfully. And then we go fishing in tomato soup for a dead, very dead-looking body that actually yep. um, Edith doesn't see, but we see it rising out of the clay as she's left. Yes. Um, she sticks a stick in it to have a feel around. She's got good instincts, but she doesn't quite catch it. Yeah, but this is, of course, why the ghosts look the way they do, is because they dump the bodies in the clay. Yes. Lucille and Tom really look alike. Yes, yeah, I suppose they do. Good casting, yeah. Um, I really love the tense return of the key scene. Yes, Um, one of the things I've said about this is that having the hall as a big physical set like this allows for these wonderful shots of Lucille sort of pursuing Edith and catching up and going round the corner and stuff. And you can do it as one continuous shot. I know you could edit it together and everything in a way that would look very good, but here you don't need to because it all exists as a one so you can have... The camera snaking around and moving around and it's a lot of steady cam work here so there'll just be some camera operators just trundling down the yeah. corridor after them <laughs> yeah there are so many gorgeous tracking shots of running and mm. you know i've written that uh, you'll feel better soon everyone involved in this situation knows what this transaction means you've yes. got lucille dead eye staring herself in the mirror pretending to be further away than she is while <laughs> she waits for edith to return the key you know, it's it's so dark. I don't know, she just mm. takes an extra long time pouring a glass of water for her. Nothing's real. Everybody's trying to fool everybody else. And it really does feel like a proper drama. If there wasn't murder involved, it would still be an exciting scene. Yes, yes. Um, oh. Ghosts revealed to be helpful presences and Thomas to be a bluebeard. Oh, that'll be the... Um, the recordings. The recordings, yes. Ding dong, bell, kitty's in the well. <laughs> yeah. So this is another sort of Dracula moment as well, because... This is the appearance, this is the intrusion of the of modernity yes. into this ancient, ancient world of the Sharps. And she's listening to these wax cylinders that she found um, in the ghost cupboard. She's listening to them on the phonograph and they say things like, Thomas bought me a phonograph today, bloody, bloody, blood, talking about, like, I'm trying to get him to speak into it and he's begrudging every single time. He, he doesn't, hates he it. He doesn't like it very much. Um, because it's he calls it an infernal machine you yeah know, it's yeah. just so that's because he's a thousand years old <laughs> and then the recordings start to get a little bit worse we have tapes from every name that she's found that he has records on if you like that were in that suitcase yeah all it's the like, photographs of yeah. him with his beloved because i think you do see her face when on the recording Thomas says, you know, what do you want me to say and enola's voice says we well, you could say that you loved me yeah and you can see that it it hurts it hurts it absolutely but then as the recordings continue we get things like all they want is my money you know if you find this find my body take me take it home take it home the voice gets sicker as well it does and the poison is in the tea poison is in the tea she even finds there's one with a baby yeah and one has a photo of a baby with it and she opens the door into a snowstorm going i've got to get out of here and is physically trapped in the house by the weather the snow is too intense it's a yeah. beautiful scene beautiful of the billowing nightgowny type out the fit <laughs> with all this white snow coming in it's wonderful only to move to terrifying lucille t- t- <laughs> describing how she tended mother in this bed yes uh the scraping china she's feeding her blooming horrible what is it soup or uh, porridge, porridge. Or porridge yeah 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 but again every every spoonful is scraped on the rim and it's uh, there's real real violence to the um 
to the feeding. Yes, know? yeah, yeah. Um, and saying, you know, Thomas says, I'd like a moment alone with my wife, trying to pull <laughs> rank a little bit on yes. clearly this powerhouse person. Yes, but again, the, uh, but the story that she's telling while she's feeding as well about her mother and, and it, all of these stories are connected to their childhood and yes. the horrible, like, weird abuse nexus that they grew up in yeah uh you know father was a brute but i looked after her and of course um well father just stamped her mother's legs leg in half yeah broke mother's leg which um is another thing that happens to edith later on yes Ugh. yeah oh, oh. but yes uh you know but i looked after her you know i looked after mother and of course we find out later what she really did to mother yeah that is taking care of mother taking care exactly she took um, care of her in a very permanent way yeah so thomas is so incredibly weak um you know she's a nightmare but he's a weak thing i yes. think and she says things along the line so i think she says just before she leaves We'll make sure you get out of this bed soon. Yes, that's it. Yes, which is, should you know the words are comforting, but the way that they're spoken. Yeah, but you've just been told that mother died. Mother in died that in that bed. Yes, exactly. Horrendous. Um. Anyway. Yeah, she's a real sort of Lady Macbeth figure. I said. Do you think she is sort of unhinged, or is I she? I think she's just the victim evil? of a. I know. I don't think she's just evil, but I'm not really in that camp, as you know. Mm-hmm. I don't really believe just evil exists, even in fantasy world. There's a backstory, almost yeah. without fail. I believe that she was the victim of like systematic abuse and that it made her insane. I believe yeah. that watching her father treat her mother like that and her mother also to be horrible to her yes. was too much and they would have heard all of it. I think that's why sound is so important mm. in the film. They would have heard all of it from the attic. Yeah, well, when Edith has just arrived, they're in the that parlour. Yeah. And she says, you know, she says, trying to be, trying to sort of build bridges with Lucille and says, oh, I can imagine you here as children yes weren't allowed in here as children but they could hear they could hear the piano coming up through the floor and if they can hear the piano they can certainly hear arguments and legs and legs being broken yes and i do think there's um a history of violence in the family Mm -hmm. and i do think that murdering a bunch of people and living alone will also make you a bit doolally i think she's also a fetishist like it's it's to a point like it's um hinted at that she enjoys being in tight corsets she enjoys yeah no she's very tightly wound all yes. the way. Uh, very she, severe she is covered in scars on her back yes from beatings comma various yeah and yeah and then engages in strange sexual acts like she's clearly a little bit um victorian kink but then taking it to the absolute next level yes so dr bland's on the way he is on the way he's nearly here Full and moon then, as he approaches, of course. Yeah, duh, because it's I, I imagine it's always a full moon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they've just got a big lamp. Um, and you've called him Dr. Bland, and you know, he doesn't get to do very much, but we, we do see from him here that he's determined. Yeah. And you see him getting closer. You know, he's, he's made it to, to England, he's made it to Britain, and then he's made it to the trading post, to the depot. Yeah. Where they spent the night earlier. And his horse is exhausted, he's ridden hard. A and he doesn't try and ride there. his horse there either, no. so he's clearly a nice guy with yeah. a small N and three C's. And, he, and they, he wants to hire a horse from them and they won't, so he'll he take hours to walk and he says, I better get going. And he just steps out into the howling gale. Yeah. He's not... He, certainly compared to Thomas, he's a strong-willed man. Yeah, true. Um, he's, he's just very much not the focus of, of this story. Right? No, it's true. Edith looks like a ghost here. And here's Enola and her ghost baby come mm. to visit. 
And look at the way Edith interacts with this ghost yes. here now. This, I mean, we had what the turning point earlier, yeah. but here she's really trying to what communicate with me? them. Yes, yes, exactly. The fear is completely gone. I mean, she's frightened, but she's not frightened of that ghost. No. Uh. And they, you know, the ghost points to some moths, <laughs> and uh, we follow the pointing to some eerie lullaby singing that mm. is unnecessary, and the most distressing hand job you'll see all day. Like, truly, it's um, incredibly beautiful people incest, followed by just a really nasty fall. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Um, yeah, Lucille um, has got her hair down now. This is visual shorthand because she's been. It's all it's all out in the open now. I think she even says something like that. Yeah, yeah. And she knows everything. Yeah. The sister's wearing the wedding ring on the wedding finger, by the yes. way, while all this is happening. Um, Taking the ring back. <laughs> uh, Lucille pushes Edith brutally and very speedily and very cruelly over the edge with Sir Thomas saying, no, don't, no, don't, you know, yeah, like, yeah. he really doesn't want her dead. No, but I mean, the thing is, it's too late. I mean, like, he, the reason that she is so pale and, and sickly yeah. is because she's been drinking poison tea and... Thomas knows this full well. He did tell her not to drink the tea, though. He told her that um, when she was given the porridge. That's true. Yes, don't drink that, ever. But, like, it's not like he's only just found out. Yeah? Yeah. Goodness me. Um, It's it's too little too late. But, yes, watch out for this little sequence coming up here. We're not far from the end now, but here we get a lot of reversals of fortune very, very quickly. Very quickly, So, as we said, we keep cutting to... Dr. Allen, who is on the way. Yes. You know, and then during this scene when they're having this altercation, and just before she goes over the um, banister and really wallops one of the other floors on the way down. Yes. Just before she goes over, uh, Alan is pounding at the door. He's made it through the storm. Yeah. And you know, against the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, is he going to be? Is he going to get there in time? Is he going to rescue her? And she goes over, and she's lying, looking really in a bad way Pretty on the dead. on the floor you think is he, is he too late you know yeah but then we cut to she comes to yep and he and alan is there alan has yes has made it and is tending her broken leg yes and is quite successfully heroing um obviously they claim like she had a terrible fall and she's delirious you know yes um which is all very gothic as well they're standing there looking like mr and mrs dracula yes being like nothing and she looks like a <laughs> waif as well and the, ca- she does. the camera also like earlier just prior to this when she's been confined to her chair and the camera really creeps around her as well yeah. you know yeah, she is a spectral presence in the house and then in you know there's a two-year age gap we find out as well between yeah. between the sharps, yeah. The um, Lucille is older, but then oh yes, because we finally find out what was in the detective's packet of information that he gave to old man Cushing. We'd already known. We already knew. Yeah, we found out that they were married. He just accuses them again. No, but he has more, more things, uh, I see. and I assume this was all the stuff that was in the the packet because I think at one point. The detective says this newspaper took took a while You're to obtain. You're dead right. You're dead right, sir. And I want to talk about this because we also just caught the two of them in bed together. Yeah. So on a have... child's bed, by the way, on their childhood bed. Oh yeah. Anyway, carry yeah. And uh, because I was wondering about gothic tropes and gothic romance and incest, which turns up in. The Monk, the Matthew Lewis, oh, yeah. uh, 18, uh, 1794, I think, first published gothic uh, romance, and is 
implied is a little bit in the castle of Otranto, although they're not actually blood relatives. They were just mm -hmm. raised together and sort of insect. But it's a it's a it's a motif. It's a thing that comes up. But what I thought was being suggested earlier, and what Doctor Allen appears to believe is not incest but bigamy. Right. Yes. The, the big headline, if you'd like, is he's already married because as yes. yet nobody else knows that the other wives are in the clay pits in the basement. Yeah. So it's the idea is flirted with that it's bigamy, right? The mm -hmm. other, the big cause celeb of Victorian sensationalist fiction. And that is what Alan believes, and presumably that is what Mr Cushing believes. Yes, I see, I see, absolutely, yes. And, and, I, and I think this is floated for the audience yeah. as well early on. Uh, although I do feel like by the time you catch them in bed together, you maybe have the inkling that they are that their relationship is not purely filial. Yikes! And then guess what? What? Stabbed in the armpit. Stabbed in the armpit, and really, again, another visceral and horrible thing. Yeah. So it's another reversal of fortune where oh, she didn't die. She's just broken a leg, and he says, "I'm going to get you out of here. Can yeah. you stand? Can you walk?" And she manages it. She's in a bad way. But, uh, but he yeah. really tries to stand up to them. He knows he's in trouble as well. Yes, Doctor Bland. I am going to keep calling him that because yeah. he is Bland. But um, <laughs> he's Bland, know, but he's not. He's not he's unresourceful, not and he's no. not cowardly. No, no, he does try and stand between Edith and them. Yep. But then, what does that get you? Stabbed in the armpit. Yeah. They kill the dog. Mm. Yeah. Well, they're they're really bad people. No, she's really bad. He's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> problems <laughs> um, so she sort of says to Tom you need to finish this one because you need to get your hands dirty you should get your hands dirty yeah exactly I suppose the implication there is that all of the other murders She's done all the have other done, been done by her all very of them. clearly yeah. yes I believe that and he goes up to the doctor and manages to and sort of says you're a doctor tell me how in other words how do I keep you alive yeah but, you, but I still have to stab do you in the chest yes and he does it in the most homoerotic way imaginable like it's such a sexy beautiful kind of romantic in the old sense of the word stabbing that it is like a dance move. yeah and then he sort of you know quasi dies yeah. in his arms as well yeah, yeah exactly dirty yeah what the newspaper clipping that he that he brings talks about the death of their mother and said we talked earlier about how Lucille. Lucille took care of their mother and we find out that she took care of her in the bath with a meat cleaver um, <laughs> because uh, and Thomas was 12 at the time yes exactly um, and she got sent to a convent but it's probably a mental institution yes and he what happened to him he was sent to school he was sent to school boarding school yes poor sausages Yes. Um, but of course that means that the ghost that we saw earlier in the bath is old Mrs Sharp. Old Mrs Sharp with the axe in her head. Lovely. Um, Blood-soaked snow, which is incredibly good. Mm. And we find out, big reveal, she got pregnant by her brother. Ooh. Oh, yes. yes. The horror. The horror was for love. We find out that she got pregnant by her brother and also that he's never slept with any of yes. his, his other wives. Yeah. Which is what I mean when I said, in some ways, in the depot, he too is a virgin. He's never... Yeah. Been with another woman that he wasn't blood related to. Oh, blimey. Mm. Um, <laughs> I've put, yeah, stab her in the collarbone and frighten some moths. So <laughs> Edith gets some strength from nowhere. I think she's revolted by the whole situation. She's absolutely mega heartbroken because she yeah. is 
actually in love with her husband. And she's been, she's been poisoned and yeah. she's had her leg broken. Betrayed and hurt and now she's worried that and they killed the doctor. But as far as she knows, he's dead. I don't mm-hmm. think she's told yet that, no, uh, that he's not. she has no idea. Um, but she, she stabs her in the collarbone with her pen. Yeah. Her gift from the father. And it's a seal pen mightier than the sword. Yeah. They're, they're keeping her alive to sign the papers. Yeah. And she gets halfway through her name and then stabs her. And then stabs using her pen. Yeah. <laughs> Which is nice. Um, Thomas tries for just half a second to be brave and it makes Lucille even more frightening somehow. <laughs> Terrifying. Now everyone's been stabbed. Yes. <laughs> Before all oh. that, when in his bravery, he burns the contract that yes. she was signing to sign all her money over. And it's all this, you burnt, you know, you burnt, you burnt them. burnt them, yes. And we've been dead for years is his line, which again is very vampire, very ghost, very all yes. these other things. They are haunting the house very clearly. And then that gets him a stabbing. And actually mm. one of the stabbings is through the face, yeah. which is not a pleasant way to go or to no. watch somebody going. But we do get a beautiful, proper hashtag goth moment of crying blood. Yes. Which yeah, his eye goes bloodshot, which is a really unpleasant medical detail but well it, then he actually cries a yes blood. yes yeah yeah exactly no you're right you've got the accuracy of that and yeah then... and then the but what i mean is still sort of almost medically plausible as well which is yeah. nice after she stabs him she has she seems to her face changes and she seems to really like feel she's horrified horrified that she's done it well she loves him yes and then she's blood covered and floating flying through the house in like this three-tiered dress that's got like three different types of chenille in it it's properly next level stunning um, and looks like moth wings. That's the whole point, right? Yeah. She is a big old moth ghost lady. And she's covered in blood. As and well, she's right? covered in blood because all moths are evil. I hate moths. <laughs> um, Edith takes the elevator back down to hell. <laughs> yes. Oh, God, yes. Because she's hung, hung around because Thomas has said, I'll go back and um, yeah. get the papers. Yeah. Uh, but wait for Alan's me. alive. But yeah. Yes. Alan's the alive. The doctor's alive. He's downstairs. You have to believe me. Yes. Trust me one more time, and of course she does the onion, and and um, well, that means that she's like, well, yeah, but it means she was very nearly, and in fact, he is wounded by oh, Lucille yes, the, the <laughs> because that's why she's still hanging around the elevator when Lucille comes out yes. covered in blood with her moth dress, looking like she's Wild. Like, looking like she's murdered the love of her life, yeah, and now is going to murder everyone. everyone. The spotlit snow through the roof is really lovely when mm. she's in the hellscape bit. Uh, which is actually just the basement. Um, she turns the lights on, which again is your thing about the old versus the new. Yeah. The um, basement yeah, is the only bit that has electric power. And it's the bit that Thomas doesn't like looking at. It's the bit <laughs> that no one wants to touch. Yes, because he says very early on in the film that he doesn't, that about not liking to look at difficulties. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, and Alan and Edith, because oh. yes, they're reunited here. And I feel like they're really in extremis here. Like they are both very badly wounded. Yes. And it really shows. It does. But then this terrible fight. I do compare it sadly to the Kill Bill fight in the snow between Oren Ishii and Uma Thurman. As the bride. As the bride. Yes, exactly. But she is the bride again. You know, that, mm. like it's, I don't know, it's a really... Edith is very pale here yeah. as well. and it's blood and in the snow it, and all this. In, yeah. in white. So and you've yeah. got that, you, weirdly, you have that sort of suggestion of bridal, wedding night, virginity, yeah. Yeah. sexuality there. And the, again, the fact that the, the the wound, that Edith is wounded in the face, yes. feels oddly intimate when, right. when she's okay. slashed yeah, by yeah. Um, Lucille. 
I just had it as a she could have gone the same way as in the stab through the face was how Sir Thomas died. Yeah. So she just narrowly misses. So it's a scar on the face. Yes. But it doesn't. Come it doesn't through. go all the way through. You're dead right. But yes, and when she makes it out of the basement onto the snow, she goes over on her leg, which makes a horrible noise. The worst lemon noise. Reminds me, of course, that she's got a broken leg. Yes. This uh, <laughs> running on a broken leg. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Also, there's a moment where uh, Lucille just grabs the blade yes. of the knife that I'm not comfortable with on any level. Yeah, the climax here oddly reminded me of uh, the end of Terminator. Yes. Oddly enough. Yep. Because you've got the large machine, you've got the sense of uh, Lucille says a couple of times, you know, I will not stop until I, until I kill you or you kill me, or, um, which is very Terminator vibes. Yeah, but also, you know, it's Ghost Tom that sets the machine off. Um, yes. his creation, his mining creature thing mm. he sets the machine off and then stands there looking wonderfully gothic oh, yes. um, with a little bit of blood coming out a of his little face little boy lost as well, he's got such an expression on his face of sort of disappointment and sadness and, yeah. yeah. and again helps her to win yes. um, she's there to guide, to assist um, Edith mm-hmm. and <laughs> I guess this is why her father's ghost doesn't appear, right? Uh, yes. he, he, but well, he already he's, guided her. Uh, uh, yeah, and he still helps her because it is his pen that yep. she stabs Lucille with yep, that exactly. gives her the upper hand and gets her out of the room. And the concussion face of Lucille is so awful. It's so awful. And the final blow. It's all so yeah. visceral and so violent. Yeah. And the the final very delicate touch on t- Sir Thomas's ghost face before he fades into nothing is mm. really stunning and really sad. Really nicely done. Um, the machine sounds like a heartbeat. You know, it actually yeah. is at the same level and pacing. But and in fact, when they shot that, they shot that with just Tom Hiddleston in ghost drag and then faded him out rather than a CGI Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, but it does mean that you can have that real tactile thing that the yeah. ghosts here have that you talked about before. Yeah, exactly. But also that um, Lucille when Lucille turns around and she clearly sees yeah. Ghost Tom and it's the first time any of the ghosts have been seen by anybody, anybody other than Lucille but, no but by Edith. anybody but Edith thank yeah. you but I suggest to you mm-hmm. that actually part of the reason they're all so absolutely bonkers in that house is that Lucille sees the ghosts um, yeah. the way she describes like there's all sorts of noises in this house oh yeah in the beginning and they're all a bit like do 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 about the yeah <laughs> and she doesn't seem women. surprised when um, yeah when Edith sees the women yeah but it's the first time that yeah you're right that in fact it's the first of our films it's the first of the films that we've covered where actually it couldn't all be put down to mental illness alone no um, but, it, but as I said it, it sets its stall out right from frame one right ghosts, ghosts are, real. are real this much I know um, and then we get um, Lucille the ghost playing the piano playing the in the piano. house for all time. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. is nice. Which is really nice. Uh, and then, you know, for the credits, we go back to the storybook. Yes. That is written by Edith. Edith Cushing. Cushing. Yeah. And that's us, that's us at the end. There's a reason why this sort of thing wasn't done very much, isn't done very much now, mm-hmm. and hasn't really been done much since. And... I do think that some of the sense of the opulence, you know, and the saturation of the colour and the the beautiful palette is something that he developed more on uh, The Shape of Water yeah, okay. a couple of years later that yeah. did do very well and was a massive uh, hit. But that is also a much more straightforward sort of film, I think, in a lot of ways. Yeah, than the, the plus it's set within living memory. Yeah, yeah. Whereas this is a... It's a ghost story, much like... Uh, Mr. Ogilvy tells Edith at the beginning it is a ghost story but the ghosts are just a metaphor for yep. the past 
Um, it uh, it is a big old gothic melodrama. It's a, it's a love story. It's a lot of disparate, different things, and I do think it works. I really think it works, mm -hmm. but I don't know if we'll see its like again for a little while. Mm. Uh, next week we won't be here. Next week next we're, having, week a we're week having a week off because we've been doing this for a month now. So. Yeah. Um, we do have things planned for the coming weeks. I believe we're going to be doing 2015 The Witch yep. um, by Eggers. Uh, yep, directed by Robert Eggers, who yep. uh, is a, a very interesting, I suppose young, young director yeah. by the by the standards. By standard, of, yeah. Exactly. But if that changes, we'll let you know because um, there's all sorts of things on the list. We might have a shuffle around in that time. We'll decide what to do in the week. Yes. Until then, stay spooky. Indeed. Um, and if you want to get in touch with us, you can contact us uh, via email. That's hauntedpicturepalace at gmail.com. Or yeah. you can come along and say hello on Instagram as well. That is haunted underscore picture underscore palace. Come and see our posts. Come and give us a follow. You'll get um, updates on when the na next episode is coming out. Yep. And what the one after that will be so that you can watch it before you listen Indeed. to it. Indeed. And do subscribe on whatever you're podcast platform of choice is also leave us reviews they're really good yeah, they're please fun do. and they help other people find us yes absolutely do you have anything to plug i'm a tarot reader like professionally <laughs> <laughs> uh amberly alchemy tarot is my instagram handle uh, amberlyalchemy.co.uk if you want to book in for a tarot reading i'm spooky there too is true and um on a slightly less spooky note, if any of you are interested in the sleeves which home recordable VHSs came in in the 80s and 90s, <laughs> I run an Instagram account for that, at VHS Sleeves with Ben. And unbelievably, more than 100 of you are currently interested in that and following that, so if that's up your alley, give that a follow as well. I thought we might as well just get a plug-in for our other ventures. Yeah, why not? Uh, because... Um, you never know. Exactly, yes. Um, so the, yeah, there'll be content on our on those respective uh, channels uh, to tide you over until we're back. Until again. we're back again. Lovely. Thanks for joining us. Okay. Bye. Oh, bye. Bye. Oh, bye. Oh, bye. Oh. Getting my rustling out the way. Yeah. Oh, it likes that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, look at those peaks Is that recording now? Recording! Yeah Yeah Isn't it? Yeah. Is it? Please yeah. make sure, Mercury's in retrograde man. Billy Balls. Billy Balls.